As a marketer, you are facing constant new challenges, and I am sure that sometimes it feels impossible to stay ahead of the curve. That's why you should listen to the podcast, Building Better CMOs. It's a podcast about the challenges marketers face and what you can do to make your marketing stronger and smarter. You'll get fresh insights from the marketing minds behind Heineken, Colgate, CVS, FanDuel, AT&T, and dozens more. So follow Building Better CMOs wherever you get your podcasts or go to bettercmos.com. Welcome to the five things this week in social. We're the Webby award-winning podcast that looks at the five most burning stories in social connections, data, content, and tech to give you something smart to say when you're asked, hey, what's new? Instead of the usual, not much. If you're a marketer, an advertiser, or a creator, or just anyone who makes a living using social platforms, or if you just really like podcasts about social media, then this is going to be a great show for you. Today on the pod, we have a newish member of the squad. It's Kofi Roberts. Hello, Kofi. Hello, hello. Happy to be back. Second time. Second time. Welcome back. Okay, here's a question for you. Spicy food. Do you like the spicy food? Do you not like spicy food? Are you more of a sweet and savory person? Where do you fall on the spice scale? I love spicy food. I'm I'm such a spicy food guy that one of my go-to bodega orders is like cinnamon raisin, sausage, egg, and cheese with jalapenos and hot sauce. Like that sounds insane, but I promise it's incredible. That sounds great, actually. All right. And a veteran member of the Five Things team, we have Kane Fair. Hello, Kane. Same question. Some like it hot. Do you? I do. I don't know if I'm going to do the Kofi experiment, but I am a spicy guy, though, too. I put hot sauce on everything, like literally everything, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Obviously, I'm not like the crazy guy who's doing like the hot wings challenge and like making myself sweat and cry, but love good salsa, love good hot sauce. I'm all for it. I'm the same. I'm Joey Scarillo. And while I also love hot sauce, I'm not very adventurous when it comes to like spice with Thai food or anything that I'm just not really sure of. Like if I see four chili peppers, I'm going to stay away from it. But enough about that. Let's get into the five things. Here we go. First up, Kofi tells us about how X slows down link speeds to websites that Elon doesn't like. Then Kane shares an update on how the bird logo is officially out and the X logo is in. Next, Kofi runs with the social fitness app Strava, who offer new ways to connect and calculate carbon footprints. Then Kane breaks down how users can now add music to their Instagram posts. And finally, Kofi tells us about Instagram testing a new post metric format. Okay. Lots to get into, lots about X, lots about Instagram, and a fitness app in the middle. Let's get started. Kofi, kick us off with X slowing down link speeds to websites that Mr. Musk does not like. Yeah, basically, it's as the title said, Musk has been slowing down sites to things that he has publicly said that he doesn't like or has had feuds with. And so he's been causing these five-second delays. And if you're like me and you're wondering, what does a five-second delay even matter? Well, it's like the eyeballs that people have, if it's even more than like a second, they'll close it and then they start to lose ad revenue and things like that. So it's this really seemingly petty thing that actually could have a much bigger ripple effect. 
So these include the New York Times, Instagram, Facebook, Blue Sky, which was, if you're like me and don't know what that was, that is a social media app started by former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, which is like this decentralized social media threads, routers, and Substack. And then like the same people who like tested to see that this five second delay was actually happening, tested and saw that Fox and YouTube did not have these. So it was a direct decision to do this. And then for some humor, Zuckerberg responded on threads with a kind of question emoji when people were like, is this really true? And it's kind of like this public feud between these two billionaires, which is something that who thought we'd see over these two social media sites that we very much need that are crucial to our lives. And this feeds into Musk then posted or X. I'm not really sure what to say about that anymore. But he said that he would show up to Zuckerberg's house for this cage match that they've won again, off again, talked about. I mean, it's really just TMZ level fodder at this point. We've teased out this cage match last week on the show. And like I said, if it ever happens, we will cover it. But my goodness, these are billionaires behaving badly. Okay, so my question to you, Kane, with with all of this that Elon's doing and, and slowing down these speeds, is this a slippery slope for platforms? Is this too much power for Elon? I don't know if I'd call it too much power. I think it's just so childish. You know, these guys... We're talking, listen to what we're talking about these days, like a cage match emoji competitions and battles across platforms. Like, yeah, I get it. Like there's probably some business implications and sure it comes with power to be able to actually put your foot down and activate upon these petty, weird requests that are coming in from the higher powers. But I don't know if it's a slippery slope. I mean, the slippery slope is the fact that these individuals are doing and constantly upping each other in these absolutely bizarre competitions for their ego. And if it comes down to their platform updates because of their desire to outsmart, outwit, out whatever the the other individual, then yeah, I think it does have a slippery slope. But I think as all, I think you've said it perfectly, Kofi, it's like a TMZ episode. I hope all this will come to an end. I think once X could out of the news and the public eye with their rebrand and all this drama and the shift of focus and and look and feel and all that. I think it will settle, but right now we're just in the, in the heat of it all. And I'm hoping they use their power in the future to actually better their platforms versus just become these like roadblocks or ego moments that have sparked in the past couple of months now. But who knows to say, you know, these people are, they are who they are and they've gotten to this point for being this type of individual. So we'll see if it stops, but I hope the power shifts to become something more beneficial to these platforms. Is there anything brands can do, Kane, to push back on all this egomania? To push back on it? No. If you're in a brand that's really rooted in culture and can like identify areas of opportunity to activate against this chaos that's happening, then I think there's benefit there. For me, and I work in the health and wellness space primarily, it's like this is something I want to stay away from with like a 10-foot pole. But if you're working on brands that we have at Gray that are hyper-relevant in cultural, timely events, then yeah, I think there's areas that you can capitalize on. But when it comes to Elon restricting people from going to your website, like there's nothing you can do if you are on the New York Times you know, brand team. That restriction is something that's you know out of your hands. So I don't know if there's any way to benefit from it unless you're capitalizing on the craziness of the cultural phenomenon that is happening. But it's just a hindrance for those brands that have been on put on that watch list, I guess, from Elon's sake, and people are restricting access to their platforms. 
Well, very interesting. I, I hope they don't slow down our links, but I'm pretty sure we're not on their radar. Okay, so if you were curious when we were going to phase out the bird, and if you were wondering when we were going to get the new logos, well, X is going to give it to you. Here we go. Number two, the bird logo is out. Kane, talk to us about it. <laughs> X is going to give it to you. X gave it to us. X is giving it to us right now. As just mentioned, X has finally updated their brand assets on our website so you, we can all happily or unhappily replace that beautiful bird logo that once was for all of your assets and displays. So you may or you may not be a fan of this new X rebrand, but is here to stay, which um, obviously means that we're going to need to update a lot of our websites, our signage, our staff email signatures, our promotional material, etc. as brands with this new X logo. X has now updated its brand asset resource with this new branding. So I think you can go on there now. There's four or five assets you can download. X has now updated their brand asset resource with their new branding. So you can actually go on there and download the logo files, the colors, the, you know, pretty much the brand book of what has now become X. Elon, I think he initially said that this was an interim solution, this X logo, but now it seems to obviously have settled. I'm pretty sure they even put the giant X up on the Twitter's building. So it's, it's set in stone now. It's interesting because Twitter, the, the Robin's Egg Blue, Twitter Blue was one of the most recognizable, in my opinion, brand icons that has ever been online. And while Elon has this long held vision of his X concept, it feels really weird. Like obviously we're it's it's finalized now, but I think it's just a very in a not so shocking fashion, a very on the whim decision. And I think it came out of nowhere. And I, I'm also pretty sure that someone submitted the X logo from like a tw Twitter feed, like someone on Twitter actually submitted it and that's what it became. So it's going to take time. I think now it's solidified. It's obviously formalized on their website. So we need to start moving forward and taking this to the next step as brand marketers. So check the brand assets on their website. We'll link the assets page here in the PDF as well but just ensure that you're using those right icons for your links, for your displays, and for your promotional materials if your brand is active on the platform. Yeah, we'll have to update our icons. Okay, Kofi, I'm curious, strictly from a creative standpoint, because it's not very often we get folks from the creative department on here, and I'm so excited you're here, and sort of separate from all the baggage of Elon and everything that's been going on, what do you think of the new X branding? I mean, I think from a creative standpoint, X is still what Twitter was to people, which is like a sarcastic din where you get to sit back and grab your popcorn and see what the new viral moment's gonna be. I think from the standpoint of like what the rebrand is, like I feel like being in being in meetings where, you know, you talk about a brand's brand book and you see all the money that gets thrown at it and, you know, they talk about what this means, what this color means, or like yeah, so when you're looking at brands like Burger King, like you can clearly see where, you know, the money was spent and like what it all meant. Like when they go into their brand guidelines and then they talk about why things are thicker and, and like why colors are less or more saturated, like you can see what it meant. But when you look at X, it's like Musk has thrown all that out the window because Twitter used to have this blue, this child friendly vibe almost like it's just this nice bird that's looking at you and now it's this you know big black box with this x in it and there have been articles that have compared it to like a pornographic vibe you know and it's like why would you want your app to be associated with that when it before was just this highly recognizable blue bird and as a creative like when you're getting these briefs for whatever 
on the Twitter team, it's like, how do you know what to actually give? How do you know what's expected of you? Because I'm sure, you know, Musk has one thing that he's telling you, but maybe you're like supervised and things like that are like, hey, we want to keep it this way. So it just feels like overall just the most confusing, asinine decision. And I mean, you know, again, I'm not in Musk's head. Maybe there's a reason, but it just seems like he had the domain for X and he was like, one way or another, I'm making this like I'm going to take one of the biggest social media sites in the world with the most impressionable logo and I'm going to make it into my thing because of hubris. I mean, I think that's a great point and a great way to, to break it down. The other thing, too, that I think is really interesting that I noticed recently was that the old app, you know, like you said, Kane, it's got that beautiful blue and the bird and everything. And now it sort of feels like all these social apps are a bit of a sea of sameness. Like think about we've got X, we've got threads and we've got be real that are all white type on a black background. So it actually makes it really hard to find things in a in a pinch. I don't know, Kane, if you've if you've experienced that too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're all competing, at least on my home screen. They're all like this I I am so color driven like my home screen is pretty much like if I'm looking for Snapchat, it's probably gonna be the easiest one to find because it's one of the only yellow icons that I have on my home screen. But yeah. Now it's just a sea of black and white, you know, it's a balance of like oversimplifying yet not bringing out any character. It's almost like a, in the X one is like super ominous too. It's not an inviting logo at all. It's a very restricting feel to it. While the other ones like be real and threads, you know, it's a little bit more homey and a little bit softer, but still, I think I agree. They're very similar in color and at least those elements. Yeah. Well, I love talking about creative stuff, um, but let's talk about fitness. We don't talk about sort of anything outside of like the Big Ten apps, but Kofi, you brought us this story this week and I'm really excited to talk about, really excited to talk about the social fitness app Strava, which is offering new ways to connect and calculate a carbon footprint. Why don't you uh, break that down for us? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as a Creative, I do love to, whenever I can, pitch these like untraditional social medias almost because sometimes like we don't think of them as such. So yeah, like that was a big reason why I wanted to bring Strava to the conversation. So yeah, first and foremost, I realized that not everyone knows what it is. So it's a fitness app where you can track your workouts, mutes, add, and then you can categorize them by sport or medium. So like whether that's walking, cycling, skiing, etc. And like while this may seem like something for the most intensive athletes, like I started using it as I just commuted by bike. So if I'm going to the grocery store or going into work or taking a little trip to whatever, I can just make that into a little ride. You start following people and they start following you back. You get kudos. So it really works as a social media that's raw and, you know, just natural because it's just what you're doing every day. So you're really posting as much as you would do a thing. And you can, you know, again, do your walks if you wanted. So it's really kind of more accessible than I think it seems on the surface. One way that they really wanted to get that community engagement up was that they have the tour de France has a Netflix documentary and they partnered with Strava so that you could actually see the profiles of these athletes. So some of your favorite athletes, you know, the tour de France is obviously the biggest cycling event in the world and you can follow them. And then suddenly you can see how you stack up against, you know, your favorite tour de France athlete or how your friends do. And obviously we're all going to get blown out of the water, but it's cool to kind of be able to get that benchmark and see where you possibly reach for and just another way to stoke conversation. And I think that's a really interesting brand engagement tactic because, you know, a lot of people on this app 
are going to care about some kind of athlete, whether it's cycling, whether it's a pro skier. And then again, yeah, you can see your stats versus their stats. Super fun. And then Strava also announced a new tool that tracks your carbon savings when you mark a ride as a commute. So it's a feature that wants to get more people thinking about alternative methods of transports where they can see how their individual efforts help the planet. So, you know, a lot of times we hear about what is this one thing going to do? Well, now you can see it. And now you can see it on a massive scale when all these individual efforts are combined together. And a recent study shows that 72% of companies have mandated office returns. So that means that a lot of people have some decisions to make on how they're going to get to work. And so this is in hopes that people choose that public transit or walking or biking or picking up something that helps the world a little bit. And then further proving that Strava is putting its money where its mouth is. In 2020, they actually provided activity data. So basically, if you opted in and then you record your commutes, they can see the trends of like how you're going to work. So then that can help urban planners, city planners decide where we should invest for more infrastructure, which then makes it more likely that more people will actually do this because it feels safer. Instead of feeling dangerous, you're going to get hit by a car, that kind of thing. And this is all through Metro, which is a Strava proprietary web app that they have free access to. Yeah, that sounds pretty neat to me. And on a global scale, Further proving that Strava puts its money where its mouth is, is that since 2020, they have provided insights on commuting trends that are free to city planners. So basically, like you opt in. So when you mark down your mute, your ride, whatever, it can allow them to see habits of cyclists and walkers and people like that. So that when they want to invest in infrastructure, they know where to put the money. So that's a pretty cool thing because cookies track us anyway for ads that I'm guilty of buying from. But at least now, these tracking things are actually helping me stay safer in what I do most days. On a global scale, this effort has been working because there's been an uptick in cycling. And then Paris is leading the way in that with a 97% uptick since they've had more investment in infrastructure, showing that when it's safer to do things like cycle and choose alternate transports, people do it, uh, followed by Brazil, Germany, Tokyo. So it's pretty awesome to see this trend. And, you know, hopefully... America can follow suit a bit more hardcore. Yeah, I would love that. I think that would be really cool. I think anything where, you know, you get to see your fitness stats, I think is really cool. You know, I use Apple Fitness. And so I like being able to see all the things that that I've done and, and how that works. And I think that social element is really cool. Kane, going back to the first thing that Kofi was talking about in this piece, do you think that for smaller apps like this, that finding ways to tap into culture is a good way and a good approach to grow your audience and grow people on your platform? Absolutely. And this one's interesting because it's it's giving you, I mean, if you think about being able to, I think your example, Kofi, was like race your or time, you know, timestamp against your favorite athlete that's in your sport or see the duration that these world-class athletes have gone compared to what you're pushing yourself to do. The moment you can tap into that, and, and have it be a positive competitive spirit while driving a healthy habit is an amazing thing. And, you know, when we look at personally, you'll go to, you'll watch the World Cup, or you'll go to a baseball game or anything that you're, you're interested in from the competitive sports standpoint, because they're all so good at their sport, you kind of lose track of how freaking incredible these people are to the normal human. And I'm not saying any of us are, are normal, but, you know, the average athlete for, that sport, you lose the idea and the sense of excellence. So when you can actually match up against them, whether it be digitally or not, you really start to understand culturally, like the impact that that person's having. And if you're able to 
also relate that back to your own successes or pushing yourself, matching culture to personal achievements to better yourself or matching personal achievements to push yourself to a healthier lifestyle, whatever it is. I think it's a really interesting direction that they're taking to wrap this up. I think that Strava as a whole, you know, you'll maybe follow a couple friends or you'll you'll use it as a journal or a blog to like show your own success, but rarely have has it ever been bigger than that community where I'm watching professional athletes do the sport that I'm doing. So I think this is a really intriguing way for them to activate even further than just your smaller group of friends or community or even just yourself using the platform. Yeah, super cool, super cool. Okay, now we're going to get into the Instagram section of the show. And Kane, talk to us about how users can now add music to their Instagram posts. Yes, so Instagram just recently released an update specifically around soundtracks for their, what they're calling collaborative posts. So what this means is Instagram is adding another musical element with users able to now add a song that will play over their photo carousels. So Instagram actually added a music feature for video and feed posts around last November, I think it was, as part of their expanded music licensing agreement with uh, a lot of these major labels. But they recently just announced that on carousel posts, they'll actually allow this same feature to be working. So because I won't say it as well as they did, as explained by Instagram, you know, whether you're sharing a collection of summer memories with friends or moments from your camera roll, you're now able to add music to your photo carousels, building off our launch of music for feed photos. Anyone can add a song to capture the mood and bring their carousel to life. So now you can play songs over your carousel uploads as well, which could be good for adding contextual atmosphere, I think, and also could end up being a popular addition for those who are actively using not only audio, but also carousels. They also say that they're expanding access to their music library. So with more regions to get access to the resource in the coming weeks. And an interesting twist on this, on, the, on another front, Instagram is also partnering with Spotify in regions like Mexico and Brazil. Um, on a new initiative that's actually going to highlight 50 of the most popular songs from Instagram Reels with something that they're calling Reels Music Chart. This would be highlighted on Spotify, so a Spotify curated playlist that's going to bring to life or consolidate all 50 of those most popular songs that are being used in Instagram Reels. You know what this means for brands or what this means for other social platforms? I think we've talked about this in length previous episodes, but the power of TikTok and the power of TikTok, of course, being a video platform, but also being an audio platform. And given the role that TikTok now plays in really powering and amplifying chart hits, this is something of coop for the parent company Meta that will probably focus more on reels as an originator of music trends versus one that's just pulling from the audio files of something like TikTok or Spotify, etc. So they're looking at ways to become the center point of music culture and starting that conversation now by activating the music library and partnership with Spotify. Kofi, Kane mentioned that this feels like it is something that goes up against TikTok, which I believe it does because it feels like all these apps are doing everything they can to compete with one another. But does it also give you MySpace vibes? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like a bit of MySpace. It's like a bit of Tumblr. Like I think I think what Instagram is really good at doing is taking bits and pieces of different apps. Like when they brought in stories and things like that, like at first you're like, oh, this is this other app's thing. But then suddenly you realize they've done it almost better and smoother and they have this audience. So why not take advantage of it? And also it feels like Instagram is in tune with the internet, with the way that people post, like they like doing dumps. They like just taking things a little less seriously. It's kind of going back to a different era. 
So I think while Instagram is definitely trying to compete with TikTok in terms of the way that music is used, it does feel very natural to Instagram. Like if you're posting a end of summer dump or if you're just posting a weekend away with friends and there's a song that you guys have all been listening to or something like that, why would you not want to put that song to it? You know, and and like that just adds another layer to your post. So I think, yeah, like Instagram is good at imitating, but in a way that almost feels unique. And after a few months or a year or, or whatever, it just feels like it's always been a part of the app. You even forget that they got it from somewhere else. I think that's a great thing. And I think also they they were adding in collaborative posts where like you can allow people who you've given access to to actually add to your post, which I think is just another level, like making that shared playlist on Spotify for that like group trip. Now you've kind of given that in feed. So I think that's a really smart thing that they've done. Yeah. And that photo dump kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, having a slideshow back in the day. You'd make your friends sit around and look at the video you learned how to edit and put music to. But now you could just do it on Instagram. It's great. All right. Speaking of Instagram, let's talk about Instagram testing a new post metric format. Kofi, tell us all about it. All right. Yeah. So this one is so funny because it's like Instagram was like, we want to take away the likes, but now we're going to give you the post metrics because at the end of the day, brands are like, how do we get more engagement? What is working? So Instagram is testing a new format for post metrics, which would display both share and comment counts. So and you can also turn your likes back on. Now shares have become a much higher focus for Instagram. Like people are more in DMs. They're they're like more sharing things with each other. They're more posting on their stories. So this feels like a good way to show that this is true. Like, look at all these shares. This is where people care about and it's possible that maybe you have more shares for once than likes, even though a like is easier to do. A share is like, I want to give this to my friend. I want to show this funny thing that I've seen or this interesting thing that I've seen. And they were also thinking it's kind of this peer pressure FOMO approach where if you're seeing these share metrics, you're going to want to join in on the fun. You're like, why am I not finding fun videos for my friends? You know, why am I not sending the things that I like to see? And then reply counts could also prompt more people to check out what's being said. So in addition to wanting to just share it with each other, it's like, let me find out what this important thing is so that I'm next, like I'm I'm in the know of this viral moment, this funny thing. And this all ladders back up to the Instagram CEO was saying that years ago that we don't want it to be a competition and we want Instagram to be a place where people spend more of their energy connecting with the people that they love and the things that they care about. So again, this is interesting because kind of going back on that, but if it works, it works. Do you think, Kane, that this is sticking to that strategy or are they diverting and kind of going back to their old ways? He, I don't know. I think it's kind of both. I think the social currency and ego-driven version of Instagram where the, that they were trying to maneuver around is still at the core of this. I think what they're trying to do now is identify a user interface or user experience that can encourage people to activate further versus look inward and stress about how many likes and comments and shares that their individual post has. There's a bit of a shift, right? So if someone who's posting is using all that as social currency and driving an ego, inflating an ego, that's different than having a UI experience that is elevating something like the sharing of a post. So I don't hate it. I personally use Instagram that way. I rarely comment on posts. I rarely like posts, but a hundred times a day, I'm getting an 
posting or sending and receiving funny, interesting, relevant things to family, friends, coworkers, et cetera, uh, that I find uh, on Instagram. And I think it's an interesting avenue for them to go because at that at this point, the, the platform has evolved from being one that a lot of people are commenting on to one that is becoming kind of a smaller version of almost like a relevant email stream to your groups of friends and highlighting that analytics to someone up front of how shareable it is where that hadn't been accessible in the past is interesting i think there's just been a shift in the platform to be honest and they're just trying to identify a way to encourage that even further and activate users to continue to push for sharing and so I love it. I don't think it's straight. I guess short answer, it doesn't stray away from that core strategy that they had. It's just identifying an opportunity that will better the platform. Excellent. Well, this was all great stuff today. We talked about X. We talked about Instagram. We talked about fitness apps. And if you don't already, be sure to follow us, share us, like us, review us, or write to us with your questions, comments, concerns points of interest or complaints, or just send us a thing you want us to discuss. You can do all of that by emailing us at podcasts at gray.com. Of course, I want to thank our panel today, Kofi and Kane. And as always, a big special thanks to Samantha Geller, Amanda Fuentes, and the crew at Gramercy Park Studios behind the scenes. A few weeks ago, we wrapped up season four of Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas. Host Jason Connor and our gray colleagues hosted so many wonderful guests who had great ideas from a slime playground to a solution to replace plastics, to an app that helps new parents, to cinematic quality audio fiction. And I am confident that you will find one, if not all of these conversations, interesting and inspiring. You can find Gray Matter, a podcast about ideas, wherever you find this podcast. Well, that does it for us. Thank you, listener. And please, as always, be social. The Five Things are written and researched by the Social and Connections team at Gray New York, produced by Joey Scarillo and Samantha Geller, mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Amanda Fuentes and Guy Rosemarin, with post-production support from Ned Martin, additional support by Christina Hyde and Adrian Hopkins. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.